0: Whether you are chalishing for chalas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fresen with Adrian Bargatti. It's all about the food. Good morning and welcome to the Essen Fresen show. The good news is that winter is almost over. The bad news, it's still too cold for anyone except the Eskimos. So I thought that with most of us having been stuck at home since March and not being able to travel, I'd reminisce a little bit about my travel adventures. So for those who don't know, is I work every now and again for private tours um, as a mashkecha. It's not under the Den. Um Each person speaks to me individually and decides whether they are agreeable that I would be a mashke- their mashkecha or their mashkeya for their trip and that's how it works. Um, and I've had the most amazing opportunities to travel around Southern Africa as a Mashkecha. These experience are private trips once again as I said they are not under the then um It is up to the different resorts to decide whether they are going to allow us to take over a part of their kitchen, um, give us a room to cook in, or how they're going to work. So in 2018, just shortly after Alan Bender left the country because he used to do these trips um, He interest, so he introduced us to this gentleman a travel agent who was looking for now he was now looking for chefs and mashkechem to take over from Alan and um, from then on we've just done some amazing work my son and I are doing them together there are other mashkechem all around our country that are doing similar trips through different agents. There are so many out there. Um, right now, my son is away in Kenya. He is the Mashkiach for his friend, Daron, and they will literally be home for four hours before they leave on their next trip. So I know they're, like I said, I know there are other like him doing the lodges, but the challenge is there, and so a lot of people are, you know, you know, do it once and then don't do it again because it's very hard to be a Mashkiach in a kitchen you don't know, where you don't have equipment. You're in the middle of nowhere, so if something's not there, well, it's just not there. Um, so that that's the things. There are some game lodges that have kosher kitchens that are under supervision of the Beth Den. You just need to find out who they are. Um, and and then there are ones that do something called um, self-supervised kosher, um, which I'll explain later. I just wanted to remind everyone that please, if you guys have any comments or suggestions, questions or topics you think we should cover in the show, let us know via Telegram on 061-895-1019. SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 1.50 or send us an email to air at chaifm.com. So I was saying over the years, I have seen some of the most amazing places. of these have been five-star luxury resorts Um, and with COVID quite a few of those places have actually adjusted their prices that even though it's still expensive some of the South Africans can actually finally afford to go on these trips and they are beautiful they just are absolutely luxury Um, I was able to take my mother just before lockdown for her 80th to one of these resorts in exchange for training for their staff on how to deal with kosher clients, how to greet them, how to set up the rooms, um, how to set up the dining areas, all those kind of things, and we just had a beautiful time. Um, So that is, you know, for those of us who keep kosher, and we will all know, when you go away, when it's your family, you find self-catering places, and you have to pack in and off you go and in South Africa if you're in a resort or somewhere that's near a town it's not so difficult because just go into your local pick and pay and you'll be able to find kosher products but when you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere and your nearest town is two hours drive it's not so easy so it takes a lot of planning and a lot of preparation um, we often in these resorts will ask for the menu that they normally serve ahead of time so that we can then go through the menu, adjust it to make it kosher and then tell them what they need to order. For some resorts, I, they will give me the menu, I will send it back with the kosher changes and then sometimes they will say, okay, please order the food for us, especially if I'm going to be going to work there, then I will take it with me, um, the kosher meat and the baking, the bakery goods, because there's not much place to bake. But if you go to some of these places and you've ordered kosher foods, you're going to get your food, we all know, those little wrapped tinfoil packages. Love those things. And it is a problem, because they may have been perfectly cooked when they went into the tinfoil. The problem is that they've got to be reheated at the resort. And they were put into the ovens, and by the time you get them, chances are... Things that were crispy are now soggy, and things that were just perfect are now overcooked. Then comes the problem with the chefs who've opened them because they wanted to just see that it was okay, that the presentation was fine, or they just thought it would look better, or they've actually taken it out the packaging, put it onto their plates, beautifully arranged, and now you can't eat it. So that's, you know, a problem. Um, I know the meals are often delicious, like I said, if they served at the right time. I've been told clients by clients who've had food delivered to the airport from a certain restaurant that their food in particular is just incredible. So well done, gentlemen. So I must tell you, over the years, my confidence in the cooking has grown. It's um, always been a bit of an issue. Um, because I took over from an actual professional chef. And I'm working with professional chefs a lot of the time. So, you know, I've learned a lot. Um, And it's just been a crazy, amazing learning experience. Um, And and beautiful to see our country. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to bry or fine dine. This is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bargatti. It's all about the food. So as I was saying, um, I've been talking about the trips that I've had, the amazing journeys and things, and the fact that my confidence in my cooking and my repertoire has grown because it's all very well that you go to a place that is fully equipped, it's got a chef, and you know what you're doing. But every now and again, I have to be the cook itself. And these people are paying for top quality, you know, experiences. And I've had to learn to do that. So my very first trip um, was, it was just a three-day trip. It was sort of an experiment. Um, A place was trying to see how it would work. They had just built their kosher kitchen. And they just were like trying it out. So we had some beautiful guests. um, And... The Jewish world is just so small because I actually turned out they knew my in-laws. So it was quite an amazing, you know, thing because you are meeting the places. One of the things we did learn is um, that some of these places do require um, you to be in front and center so that the clients can see you, which means you do have to dress the part. So I bought chef's jackets, um, still feel guilty wearing them but have had them embroidered now and it says mashkiach on it. That is the other thing I've had to learn is not confuse the staff between the difference of a mashkiach and a mashkiach. As we get introduced, we are the mashkiach. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It just makes life a little easier. So my first experience was a beautiful game reserve that came with this fully equipped kosher kitchen um, and at that time they were not yet under the bed then they are now they also had the option of something called I explained it earlier self-supervision and this is where clients pay a fee for once-off use cutlery, crockery and cookware and that's for people whose budget doesn't quite stretch to paying for a mashkiach because that involves the accommodation for the mashkiach plus the mashkiach fees um, and any travel costs so it can add up Now, when I'd gotten to this place, a um, non-Jewish person had explained to them about kashrut. That already was a little bit, for me, a worry. But he'd done a fairly good job. The problem is, he had taught them about flasheks and mulchiks, or dairy, sometimes used, and parav. And so we landed up having to retrain all the chefs, And the first thing we had to do um, was get rid of parav. The kitchen there had a milk side and a meat side, totally separate, mirror images of each other. It had everything you could want. But he talked about making parav food. Now, we had to explain to people because they just didn't get the parav. And so the easiest way to say anything was, parav is vegetarian. That's how you think of it. There is absolutely no milk product or animal products in Parav. But that's not true, because there are animal products in Parav. There's fish and there's eggs. So that becomes another issue. So Parav is vegetarian. That made it easier. The next was milk. Because he'd explained it to them as dairy, that milchik means dairy, the chefs got very confused, because eggs fall under dairy in the food world, so how do you do eggs with meat? What happens if you want to crumb your chicken, if you can't use any dairy? So teaching them and explaining that eggs were actually part of, they were vegetarian and could be used either way was great. Serving fish has been another interesting thing, because while it is vegetarian, it is still an animal product and it just once again takes a little explanation um, so the chefs like really do find the concepts a little difficult but after a while if, especially if it's the same resorts that do quite a lot of these guests and it has worked out that way they kind of get used to it by then and you're much easier to it's much easier you develop a rapport with the staff and it's a lot of fun It also means that the chef cooks for the mashkiach because your food has to be included. And sometimes I have just eaten some of the most amazing cooking. Um, And I have to tell you, I am very glad. My first trip was to a place that had a fully equipped kitchen and a chef. Because my next trip was a little more interesting. This was also a five-star luxury camp named after elephants up in the Limpopo province. Um, and then I followed the family and I was their chef cook for a week down in Nisner. So at the elephant camp, um, it was, a chef was assigned to me and I've now worked with him on multiple occasions over the last three years and he's learned stuff and I've learned stuff. So um, with these family, like we went to the private game reserve, we cooked there, so we cushered their kitchen, which was very difficult because they have a small kitchen at the resort and an absolute ton of stuff. But it is a small resort, so it was much easier. There were no non-Jewish clients there. The family had hired out the entire place. It only has five rooms. Um and with me there were nine people, so it was just enough. It was just big enough. Um, from there the family went to spend Shabbos in Cape Town and on the Sunday I flew down to Nisner um, and they had rented a house uh, on a golf estate in Nisner and I had to go get there the day before to kosher everything, to pack the cupboards away um, so that I had an empty kitchen to use um, for the cooking. So the cuttering took me about four hours, including taking everything out of the parts of the kitchen that I was going to use and sealing all the cupboards so that nobody accidentally opened anything because there was house staff. Um, I then had to go shopping for everything. Pots, pans, cutlery, crockery, including a toaster, um, you know, to make food because they had some young kids as well. Um, I think we went through... I don't know, about five or six kilos of pasta, because the kids literally lived on pasta. I just made potfuls every single day. Um, but I suddenly had to cook these really fancy meals for people, because they're paying a lot of money for good cooking. Thankfully, a friend was down in Plate at the time, cooking for someone else, so I think I must have phoned him at least four times a day. To ask for advice. From where to find stuff for Shabbos, so I had to make the drive from Naisna to Plect to get colors and things, to where to find other stuff, to how to make stuff. Um, you know, those were things that I had to learn to do. And thankfully he was very helpful and it was wonderful. Um, they enjoyed the journey. Uh, they even took the toaster home with them. It was a flat, sand, like a toasted sandwich maker. They took that back to England, so that was quite interesting. Um, I'm not sure what happened to the stuff that we had bought. It was packed in a box and given returned to the travel agent who um, had arranged the trip. Um, I have, when during this trip with this family of eight, was my first close encounter with an elephant, who came up into the room area. Um, So each room, it's not really a room, it's little, I don't know, mini chalet type thing, because each room, it's the bedroom, it's a sitting area, all open plan, and then there's a deck that you can sit on with a little outside lounge, outside bathroom, and a little mini swimming pool, a plunge pool. And one morning, the cleaner went back to my room to fetch her cleaning equipment and um, we discovered an elephant drinking from the pool so that was an interesting thing almost walked into the elephant um, and I had I mean it's a beautiful place I love going back there Um the animals do come up we've had unfortunate incidences no injuries thank you but um, have had a close encounter with a rather deranged baboon who has sadly since had to be put down as he um attacked one of the chefs so you know coming into the kitchen where there are humans um which is a sad thing when it happens so the reserve is in the Limpopo province it is beautiful and it has i think about eight lodges maybe more and some of them not have besides the one i've spoken to about that i went to now have actual Kosher facilities, if I'm not mistaken, one of them may even be under the Beth Den. Um, They generally, these resorts, we generally develop this rapport so you're used again and again for the same resort. So you don't always get to find new places. Um, It also depends on the agent booking the trips. Whether you are halishing for halas... Or wanting to bry or fine dine. This is Essen Fresson with Adrian Bargatti. It's all about the food. When I was explaining the self-supervised, now the places that offer self-supervised, I must admit if there was an option, I probably would not take it, um, unless there was a big group of us. Um, and here's why. Self-supervised means that the client is responsible for turning on the stoves and ovens, for checking the eggs and the vegetables as well as all the other ingredients that are going to go into the food that's going to be made for you. Now, this usually has to happen before you are like if you're in a game reserve, this would have to happen before you went on a game drive, because they cook the meal and prepare everything while you're out, so that when you get back, it's ready and waiting. Now, we hope that a chef, a professional chef, is obviously more organized in the kitchen than the average home cook. But ingredients can still be forgotten or they will suddenly remember, you know, that they've asked you for three eggs, but they actually need four or anything like that. And you know, you're on the game drive. How do you know that they haven't added to what they've done or they've remembered a spice they wanted to put in and just grabbed what they use and what they use is not kosher? Um, on a trip recently, the chef was making a sauce and I literally turned round and when I turned back she had poured non-kosher rice vinegar into the sauce. Um, so thankfully a metal bowl so it can be kashered. but the sauce was wasted. Um, and that's something that you've got to think about when you're doing the self-supervised. My suggestion for self-supervised trips is only do them if you're in a group and then Take turns of one person staying behind, you know, to supervise the kosher the kosher cooking in the kitchen. Most of the time, these self supervised places are done in what the sh- the kitchens uh, or the, the resorts call their cold kitchen. The cold kitchen is not a co- kitchen that is used for cooking. It's usually used just for preparation of cold foods like salads and cold starters of pre cooked foods. That have been cooked out so they're easy and often are metal so easy to cut her as well and that's an important thing to remember um, you are going to pay for something like that you want self-supervised so they will tell you that you will need to buy the kit because the thing is that you don't know who was before you and you don't know how kosher they were um, my son has done a a family or a couple should I say that booked for kosher with a mashkiach but when it came to it, they actually weren't even kosher. Um, it was more kosher style, um, and that can throw even the most experienced person off when they're wanting um, things that aren't kosher. You know, when they wanting um, or they're saying no, it's okay. You can we'll have the dessert from the main menu but we want the kosher meat. Um, Then you've got to watch your plates and stuff going in and out. It's it's, And now you're not in the kitchen because you're watching what the butlers are doing and bringing back and everything. Um, But I must admit, I've had, like I said, I've had some amazing experiences. You get to know the chefs and you learn. If you get a good chef, you learn from them. So at the elephant camp where I've been back, over the last three years multiple times chef nicholas and i have each learned so much from each other um and every time i do a trip where there is a chef i watch carefully because plating is an important part of presenting your food and plating is not one of my strengths um but we've had some fun on on a the last trip that i did um Nicholas and I introduced the clients who were from America to South African food. Traditional South African food. We um, did morojo uh, and chakalaka. We did sheshebo uh, which is the tomato and onion mix. We did millipap. horse, uh, which didn't go down as well as they thought it would. Um, but the steak and the chicken and the uh, lamb were fantastic but this couple were so sweet and the husband absolutely fell in love with Millie absolutely insisted that his wife learns how to make it and um, we gave them the address there is a store in America in New York that is an online store and has South African ingredients So we had a look and told them that the pup is available and how to make it. Um, We introduced them to Malva Pudding. They love the Malva Pudding. Um, And a slight change that we made to the Malva Pudding was because the apricot jam that the resort had had been opened and therefore we couldn't use it. They did have a closed tin of Savelle Orange Marmalade. What an amazing flavor. So, and I really don't like marmalade, but in the Malva pudding it was outstanding. And the chef learned how to make Perv Malva pudding by using almond milk instead of normal milk. Um, he'd never made it that way before, and now he has something to add to the vegetarian repertoire for guests that are vegetarians. Something different. So it's important to be adjustable. I think it's important if you're one of the clients going on these trips, also to be open to change and to challenge and for trying new things. Um, You know, you're on holiday. Don't stick to what you know at home or what you eat at home. See what the chefs can do for you. There is so much that they can make. And these are experiences and dishes we're not likely to find um, anywhere else in, in kosher communities here in South Africa. Um, I've also had an incredible privilege of staying at one of the most magnificent hotels in Bantry Bay. Um, I do believe that it was recently voted one of the top luxury hotels, um, in Cape Town. So that was an amazing, and for me, what was amazing is the hotel has two villas and we were in the bigger villa as we were, it was a family of 10 we were cooking for, um, now, these villas go for, uh, well, this one was 110,000 rand per night and only includes breakfast. Okay. So being a chef for that is another challenge because not only does she need to know or did she need to know how to cook, but she also needed to know how to price everything to charge them for the lunches and dinners. Um, and it was amazing to watch her turn out this absolute quality food to order for each member of the family and we had a wide variety from walnut crusted chicken schnitzels to the little kids asking for chicken nuggets and well you know so she just took chicken breast cut them into nuggets crumbed them and they were the best nuggets apparently ever had so that was really good um she did a teriyaki salmon she did ribeye steaks, and she did lamb chops as well. But what was hard for her, and, and that's something, you know, it was quite funny to see, was the family wanted everything well done. And it almost drove her insane having to do these well-done steaks. Uh, chefs will tell you everywhere that steak should be medium rare. Um, and that's the way it has to be. So so that was quite an interesting thing. Um, when we do these trips, another thing that, that takes a bit of planning is because of the time between milk and meat and depending on the level of kashrut of the families, um, sometimes we will have to get other stuff in if the family is Chalav Israel. but is how we plan the meals. So breakfast is almost always milk. Uh, pancakes, eggs, yogurt fresh fruit, muffins, so a continental breakfast. Lunch is almost always parav, or vegetarian, as I said, no more parav, so it would be a fish or a pasta or something like that, um, and depending on the people, it might be milk, depending on what time supper is going to be, um, or what time they've eaten lunch or breakfast. Um, one place doesn't do a breakfast, uh, the game drive is so long, They do like a morning thing with muffins and fruit and tea and coffee, go on their game drive and that is at about 6.30 and they come back at about half past 10, 11. So we do brunch and then they get high tea in the afternoon. So now you've got to serve something that's parav, again, because they're going on game drive and then coming home to a meat meal. So that is the way we worked it but this family we did something slightly different it was shabbos so friday night um i taught the chef how to make knodlach and kugel and she taught me other stuff um thankfully the family wanted to eat quite early so we were able to make the food absolutely fresh um and you know serve it hot um, without having it to put it in the oven and to dry it out even more, uh, she was not impressed with the overcooked steaks. Um, Shabbos lunch now we've been telling them all along that lunch is always, always par or vegetarian or milk always, and all of a sudden I'm telling these people no we 're having a meat lunch the confusion that that caused. So breakfast also for the chef was to have pastries out on the table, you know, normal Shabbos breakfast and cereals and things from 8 o'clock in the morning right the way through. We cleared off some of the stuff, but we left the pastries out for them to snack on throughout the day. Um, it's Shabbos. We then served a meat lunch, which really threw her totally. It was quite an early lunch because they had planned on a walk. Uh, a guided walk through Cape Town. So they were coming back quite late, um, so there was enough time for it to be a meat lunch, and then we had a mork supper, where this chef turned out eight pizzas, a kilo of pasta, plus some noodles for the baby without sauce, um, and then some desserts. She just was really amazing um and and i taught her how to make vegetable cholent she was like freaked out about these vegetables being in the oven all night i could not understand how this was going to work um and it was it was an amazing amazing experience um the place we stayed at uh that was a little bit of a challenge first of all there was no cutlery for us um the people who had put the kit together, the kosher kit together definitely are not cooks okay? because it was really, there was nothing there. Um, we landed up having to buy frying pans because there was one milk frying pan and we had 10 people for breakfast. There was one milk pot, um, which we managed with actually. That wasn't terrible, but the frying pans for, for milk are a big issue. Um, we had horrible knives. The meat one, we had one big pot and two small saucepans, so we landed up having to go buy that. Um, the family wanted soup, we had to go buy a stick blender. So all those things landed up, you know, having a and then we didn't have enough like utensils in the kitchen. So now we're running around to find stainless steel stuff. We have an urn. And having to do that. Now I arrived. I wasn't able to get to them. My previous trip ended the day before. So I only managed to get to the villa early in the morning. The hotel had had the villa steam cleaned. The kitchen had been steamed. So they'd had all that heat. One problem. The kitchen counters are not the kind of thing that can be cushered. So now I had to complicate the lives by covering Everything. Literally every surface had to be covered and tinfoil had to be stuck down. It was kind of one of those pictures that you see when it's Pesach time with everybody showing you their tinfoil covered everythings. Um Well, that's what we looked like in that kitchen. So it was quite a lot of fun. Um, but after the first day, she went out and bought cheap plastic tablecloths that we could put on. So, and we bought them in color so that we had a meat and a milk separate section and life got a little easier after that. We also didn't have any washing up basins in the thing because the person who scared up the kids, the, but the basins are stainless steel. The problem is the basins are stainless steel double basins. So they're actually one basin. So that was another um, fun part to do. Um, and then the drinking glasses, like, getting them to understand that they had to be washed separately because they weren't milk or meat. Also got everybody in a bit of a tizzy. And then um, on the first day, uh the margarine that she used, like she took it out the fridge. She'd shown me that it had a baked in stamp on, but I've never used the margarine and I didn't look close enough. And as she put it in, I suddenly thought, Hang on a second, there's a margarine de or Parev. And well, that was the end of our margarine. And when I explained to her that she had to go get this cheap margarine, she looked at me with horror and said, we don't use that kind of stuff here. Um, but she adapted and we had a lot of fun together. And the good news is that she'd like to do this again. Um, the hotel was happy. Uh, we, you know, we, the agent who organized it, we spoke to them, we've said, need a bigger kit, uh, and hopefully the hotel itself is looking into investing in their own kit so that they can have more kosher guests. So tourism in South Africa, not dead, doing beautifully, and we're going just further. And now we've also had the privilege of cooking in Zimbabwe. That was an experience and a half. Firstly, they couldn't give me a separate anything. So what we had to do was kasha one burner, or one stove, then find some uh, stainless steel trays that we could put up to make divisions. So even though what was happening is, even though the stove was freestanding, so it wasn't linked to anything else, the chefs had a habit of putting their dishes down on the stove. So after the first, the second time it happened, I said, no, we need like something to stand up on the wall, like to make walls around my stove. So there my kitchen was with these bricks holding up stainless steel trays that had been covered in uh, tinfoil so that I could cook. And then every night after we finished cooking, I had to cover the stove and stick it down with tape to make sure nobody used it during the night. And I had to pack all my equipment away every single night and seal the box because, you know, just in case, because these people had never done kosher before. They'd never even heard of it. It was a first. Um, the clients apparently loved it and loved not having to um, eat the tinfoil things. And right now, another trip is happening. My son and his friend, uh, Chef Daron, are in Kenya they have gone, part of the tour group are doing what's called the migration. So in Kenya uh, and Tanzania, you get to watch the wildebeest, the, the, um, I suppose the buffalo, uh, water buffalo, do a migration across the country. So it has been an interesting trip. They started in Kenya, they had to get to the airport early because they had to be there before curfew here. And the flight was only at one. Then they flew to Kenya. They were there in the airport for six hours before the next stop in um, Tanzania. And they have done four different resorts from Arusha all the way to the Serengeti and now back into Kenya for the migration. And they will be coming home soon. And as soon as they get home, they will apparently be leaving for another trip four hours later thankfully to a local game reserve, but it still means mad dash because they've got to pack all their equipment. Um, So I'm not sure when these boys are going to sleep. Now, when I tell people about the working in these um, beautiful resorts and I send pictures, it all looks so, so glamorous, but it's not that glamorous. It's a lot of hard work. You're up early, often going to sleep very late at night, on your feet sometimes 12, 16 hours to get it ready to make it the perfect trip. Download the new Discam app from the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the convenience of ordering your scripts via the app and then collect in store. Check your benefit points, locate your nearest store, stay up to date with the latest promotional and creation Create personalized, shareable shopping lists. Download the Dischem app now and enjoy the benefits. Dischem pharmacies. Pharmacists who care. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to bry or fine dine, this is Essence Fresen with Adrian Bugatti. It's all about the food. You're listening to Adrian, and I'm just sharing some remembrances of trips that I've taken and how much fun it is to go on these things, but also how much hard work it is. So, like I said, we rise early. Usually, it's like six o'clock, in the dark. Sometimes earlier, to prepare the snacks before the game drive. If you do not have a lockable kitchen, if you've got a kitchen that can lock, then you're able to prepare the snacks the night before and leave them in the fridge. But the majority of the time, that is not possible. Then the families go on their early morning game drive and you've got to start preparing your fruit trays and your eggs and whatever else they're going to be having for breakfast. Any baking that needs to be done. Um, if you're not in a game reserve, reserve and you're in like a city like I was recently, um, on the, not recently on the last trip with, um, packed lunches because they're going on excursions. Or they're going to be on driving from one place to another for about five or six hours. They need to be able to eat. You need to be able to prep all that breakfast, all that lunch, ready and waiting. You're in kitchens that you don't know. You've got limited equipment. And if the stock isn't there, it isn't there. The chefs are often quite um, stunned by what's happening in their kitchens and the staff are also not quite sure of you what you're about just a reminder there are quite a few companies that do do this you just need to ask your local travel agent so one of the things this is a food show so one of the things I wanted to share was something that I've had to learn and that was how to make desserts that are very easy I'm not a dessert person so I don't have a lot of experience with this and when you're preparing food in luxury surroundings Each dinner is a starter, a main with sides, and dessert. Breakfast is also usually a feast of pastries, fresh fruit, yogurts, and eggs to order. So the pastries, I buy those frozen and finish them off in the oven wherever we are. Um, They don't always go the beautiful brown colors you need because sometimes you have to like double and triple wrap them because you don't have your own oven. But I thought I'd share one of the recipes Um, for a dessert that I've learned to make and it was outstanding, delicious and didn't matter about the color you can get the recipe on the website later today CHI FM 101.9 website so ingredients this is a warm lemon pudding Okay, and it serves six people the prep time is 20 minutes the cooking time is about 45 minutes if you're doing it in an oven uncovered if you are double wrapping then it will take a little bit longer probably another 15 to 20 minutes so you need three large eggs that have separate been separated you need one cup of milk or almond milk or other milk substitute two tablespoons sorry two teaspoons of the lemon zest from two lemons six tablespoons of fresh lemon juice this is from the two lemons that you've used the zest two tablespoons of either unsalted butter or purr of margarine that has been melted, a quarter teaspoon of salt, six tablespoons of all-purpose flour, one cup of sugar and some fresh berries for um, decoration. Preheat your oven to 180 degrees and set the rack in the middle of your oven. You're then going to spray six ramekins or oven-proof small dishes that you can put in, with nonstick stick uh, cooking spray you could probably do this in a small um oven baking dish as a single cake um but the individual dishes just look so pretty in a large bowl you're going to whisk together your egg yolks your milk your lemon zest your lemon juice butter and salt and then add the flour and sugar and whisk until everything is nice and smooth the bowl in the bowl Using an electric mixer, you're going to beat the egg whites until the soft peaks are formed. So this is when you pull the beater out and little peaks happen, but they curl over. So they don't stand up dead straight, they give a little curl. Um, you're going to spoon a quarter of the beaten egg white into the lemon mixture and whisk it until it's smooth. You're then going to slowly add the remaining egg whites Using a spatula to gently fold the lemon mixture into the batter until it's smooth. So the batter is going to be light and foamy and a little bit liquidy. You don't want a cake batter. You want a nice pourable batter. You're going to place the prepared ramekins into a deep-sided baking dish. You're going to ladle the batter evenly into the ramekins. They should come almost to the top. And using a teapot or a jug of some sort pour room temperature water into the pan that you've put it in, the baking dish that you've put it in, so that it reaches halfway up the side of the ramekins. Carefully bake the baking pan into the oven and bake for 45 to 50 minutes or until the cakes are puffy and lightly golden on top. Very carefully remove this from the oven so that you don't spill boiling water on yourself. And then using tongs, you're going to remove each ramekin from the water And allow to cool for about 20 minutes before serving they will sink a little but it's okay it doesn't matter and then you can serve them with fresh berries if you want you can actually make these the day before as well if you want to serve them say for a Shabbos dinner or a Shabbos lunch and um, cover them completely they are edible cold they are definitely nice or warm but there's nothing wrong with them being cold, and what you can do is you can heat them up slightly before you serve them. Once again, a reminder, if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or topics we, you think we should know or cover, let us know via Telegram on 061-895-1019, SMS us on 34519, SMSs are charged at 1.50, or send us an email on highfm.com. If you are a qualified social worker or psychologist, then take a listen to this. The HiFM fm Helpline is looking for volunteer counsellors to join our Helpline team. If you are qualified in trauma, grief or crisis counselling, the CHI-FM Helpline would love to welcome you on board. Please info, email info at HIFM.com with your contact details. You've been listening to HIFM fm um, Esson show. I am Adrian Bugatti, your host. Um, This week I am not reading out the list of Kashrut updates. There are so many from this month. Please go to the UOS website, click on the link to new products, and you will see there is a list of about 20 new products that are on there. Um, From the Sauce Kitchen, to Collagenie, to Sunbake, to Flora Margarine, Oh, flora plant butter, peanut butter, Uh, no, flora plant butter. Sorry, read that wrong. So there's a new margarine on the market. Um, It is milchik though. Um, And then there are, Simba has got new, oh, new chips. Lay's Argentinian cream pepper steak flavor potato chips. Okay, that sounds interesting. I think I need to go get some. Um, They are, however, milchik. Well, it's got cream in, obviously, um, and then sunbaked brown bread and white. So enjoy your week. Please stay safe, stay warm, and stay healthy.